What does it take to succeed as an investor in the clean tech venture capital space? In this Greenlight podcast episode, I will speak with Catherine Meng, Investor Director at RA Capital Management, about how she has navigated the industry, transitioned from humanitarian to clean tech work, as well as about some of the trends she's seeing. We will also speak about the necessity of having senior women leaders at VC firms to ensure that new hires and investments are determined in an equitable way. Thanks for tuning in to The Green Light. Now let's dive in. I'm Catherine McLean, founder and CEO of Dylan Green. And today I have with me another Catherine, such a beautiful name, uh, Catherine Ming. Uh, from, uh, she's joining us from Boston. Uh, she's the investment director at RA Capital Management. Thanks for joining me, Catherine. Thanks for having me, Catherine. <laughs> um, so I want to talk a bit, I want to, first I want to congratulate you um, on your new role at RA Capital Management. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your current role? Of course. So I've spent my entire career focused on planetary health. I started in academia, tech transfer, early stage incubation, and then moved into venture capital, decided to gain operating experience to strengthen my perspective. I always intended to get back to venture capital when I found the right fund with the right team and the right thesis. So I was delighted to join RA Capital earlier this year. I'm an investment director on the planetary health team. For those unfamiliar, RA is a multi-stage investment manager with approximately nine and a half billion assets under management. We've historically invested in public and private healthcare and life sciences companies, but launched a planetary health investments team at the start of this year. So we focus on companies that develop and commercialize cost-effective solutions to reduce emissions, increase resource availability, and restore environmental quality. So (laughs) what that means for what I actually Mm -hmm. do in my day-to-day In practice, I spend my time building pipeline, speaking to founders and teams, building relationships with financial and strategic VCs, building our team, learning about innovative technologies and business models, and generally staying up to date on market trends. So just like having your superwoman cape on, basically. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I know that you have several degrees um, in geography, and you previously worked for the UN. Um, How did you make your way into clean energy and sustainability? It's been a windy road, um, but I've never lost sight of my North Star, which really has been positive impact for people and planet. So initially I wanted to pursue humanitarian work, all focused Mm -hmm. on peace and conflict studies, but it was through that course of study that I became aware of and really started to focus so heavily on the environment because I saw that environment and resources were at the core of so many conflicts. And that's what opened my eyes to geography as a discipline. Right. I was fascinated by the intersection of environment, economy, politics, society. And I started looking into sustainability, everything from raw materials to energy systems. And I was intrigued by the number of market-ready technologies that were met with limited market uptake. So I started to study why certain technologies like renewable energy solutions faced adoption and deployment hurdles. So that's ultimately what brought me to work with innovators, entrepreneurs across the planetary health space. You previously worked for organizations like Cleantech, Open Northeast, 
Worcester Clean Tech Incubator and the Massachusetts Clean Energy Center. What advice do you have for those interested in pursuing a career focused on investing um, in climate tech startups? So first and foremost, you have to put in the work. Um, yeah. So you got to start from where you can, but then you have to put in the work and focus on knowledge and growth. And by that, I don't mean go get an MBA or read some articles or case studies about energy and environment. I mean, you can be a whiz at financial modeling or you can know everything there is to know about energy policy, but that does not set you up for success as a VC. Um, so people tend to not like this answer, but it's like building muscle. Reps mm -hmm. are really, really important. Mm -hmm. So whether you're coming from a climate-oriented operations background or a non-climate investing role, you actually may need to start more entry level than anticipated. Um, yep. I think that's because <laughs> successful investment leaders have seen so much. Right. They've rolled up their sleeves. They've dealt with curveballs. They've had to troubleshoot. Mm -hmm. And it's that practice. It's that those reps that bring a greater wealth of understanding than any desk research is going to bring or any adjacent work is going to bring. It's this space is filled with diversity and nuance and the pattern recognition really is critical. Um, in addition to that, the only other two things I would mention is, you know, you need strategic thinking, but you also need real analytical skills and it helps right. to build a technical skill set. We've been hiring material scientists, chemists, medical doctors who can actually help evaluate specific technologies. And then there's also the soft side. So you need strong EQ. So flex mm -hmm. your interpersonal muscles as well. Mm -hmm. It will help from everything from deal sourcing to company evaluation to board engagement. You know, I think that's some really, really good advice. I always say to candidates, be prepared to sometimes take two steps back to take um, a step forward, right? And I mean, I think that just using the UN as an example, like I had a very good career and then you know I went and went back to school and was an intern at the UN and it was like a very hard pill to swallow but it's talking about learning something from the ground up it was like it really made me realize what it is I wanted to do which was absolutely UN. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I digress um so what are you most excited about in the planetary health investment space and what are you most looking forward to working on at RE Capital Management this year so I'm really most excited about demonstrating that companies that have a positive impact on the planet can mm. also provide outstanding returns. Yep. And I really believe that in turn, outsized returns will finally help yield the outsized impacts that we so desperately need to see. Right. So, you know, I, I think about the market. Uh, it's not been easy on this space. Those of us who've been in the sector long enough vividly remember what's now called clean tech 1.0 in yeah. the early 2000s. And it arguably took the sector a decade to recover from that. And, you know, as fate would have it, COVID, supply chain issues, market trepidation all arose concurrent to the recovery. But the beauty of a boom and a bust like that is the wealth of lessons learned. And, you know, as the old adage goes, learning from the mistakes of others is a far simpler and less expensive process than making them all yourself. So right. we've got the perspective and the reps on our team to be able to recognize patterns. Uh, you know, we know, for example, that it's not always 
and might rarely be the best technologies that win. You can have a great technology, but if you don't have a winning business model and go to market strategy alongside it, you can fail. So, you know, we we know what to avoid, like avoid banking on businesses that rely on regulations and incentives. It's okay if that's the powdered sugar on top, but there's got to be a lot more substance below. We right. know to look at the entire value chain, but you know, I could go on, but to your question, you know, we, the global societal, we can invest in a myriad of solutions, but we'll be more successful and we'll attract more capital and we'll have more impact if we show that these investments can be lucrative. I think also so much of it is just timing. Yes. You know, like that's how it is with recruitment. Like so much of it is just like a little bit of luck and a little bit of timing. <laughs> so Luck goes a long way <laughs> and good timing to boot. It's great. Right. Right. It's a good recipe. Um, can you highlight some of the key areas you're currently seeing the most opportunity in? Yeah, absolutely. So we've decided to focus on five core areas. Those are critical minerals, food and agriculture, energy, greening industrials, and enabling solutions. Now, the gut reaction is it's not so straightforward to bucket those solutions, but the beauty is when you see those points of overlap, sometimes that yields the most promising opportunities. So, you know, for example, companies that increase resource availability of the critical minerals that we need to enable the low carbon economy, think copper, nickel, steel, right. aluminum. We may categorize them as critical minerals companies, but the businesses can be key for areas of the energy vertical, like batteries. And, right. you know, in addition to those verticals, we also look at different technology types. So we'll look at data science and automation, material science, chemical engineering, systems and supply chain engineering, and of course, synthetic biology and bioengineering. We're in an excellent position on the ladder, given RA Capital's deep expertise in biotech and life sciences. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, overall, we're looking for whether it's one of those verticals or one of those tech types, the criteria that we're looking for is all the same. Mm -hmm. And I can bucket that into three sections. One is just companies with low scientific and technical risk. So we're okay with engineering and scale-up risk, but there are other methods of funding that are better suited to fund basic R&D. Second, we'll be looking for companies with products in market or with a short timeline to commercialization. So two to three years is great, ideally no more than five. It's okay if the products that make it to market during that horizon are early entries rather than full mm -hmm. deployment. But we do need to see early demonstration of product market fit. And right. finally, we need those businesses to be capital efficient or capital light. So we need to understand how much money will actually be required to technically de-risk and determine product market fit, ideally far less than half a billion dollars. Um, but we really need to see this. Exactly, right? <laughs> you, you need a pathway to bankability, a pathway <laughs> to non-dilutive capital. And it's it's odd to say that as a VC, I feel like so many folks, entrepreneurs see VC as a sort of badge of honor that some entrepreneurs wear when really it's the most expensive form of capital you can get. So your yeah. site should be set on non-dilutive R&D capital upfront, venture dollars as needed, and then mm -hmm. shifting to lower form costs of capital as you scale. Right. 
Um, how do you find these opportunities? So either as an investor or an entrepreneur looking for the right combination of technology and the business model? Research uh, <laughs> and research some more. And when you're done with that, Find a good friend or colleague to focus (laughs) in your research and research some more. Um, But yeah, I mean, humor aside, it truly is all about landscaping and getting to know the market. So at RA Capital, we are incredibly evidence-based and data-driven. And I think that's what's led to the firm's success. So before we invest in any space, we first develop a very deep understanding of the full value chain. We then will explore all of the technical routes to mm-hmm. approaching a specific problem statement, whether it's an approach rooted in data science and automation or material science. Right. We'll then think through commercialization strategies and business models, and we'll consider all the possible permutations and combinations of tech meets business and situate them within the value chain. And doing all of that allows us to come up with core criteria related to any market where we can then say the winning solution must meet X, Y, Z criteria. We can then quite literally build out a decision tree and place all of the solutions we're aware of in this space, whether they're R&D efforts, startups, incumbents on the decision tree. And it becomes a tool, a real guidepost to help vet the opportunities that come in the door. And I encourage everyone to do this, whether you're an investor or whether you're a company, it really helps you understand your competitiveness, look around the proverbial corner and know what might be coming next, foreseeable hurdles, et cetera. Right. I know risk is top of mind for um, financiers and developers in 2023. Um, How are you navigating this in your day-to-day work and what are some of the trends you're seeing in the venture capital space? So I see risk in two ways. Risks that are outside of your sphere of influence. So for those, I would say, don't avoid them. Actively look for them. Understand the mega trends that might influence them and try to quantify them and have a good think on what your appetite for risk truly is. Right. And then the second bucket would be risks that you can control. Mm -hmm. So on those, I'd say make a plan and execute. So do things like draw tolerances. The capital efficiency parameter that I mentioned earlier is a good example. So we have made the decision to invest in companies that have a pathway to bankability. So we can actually think through and evaluate what a company needs to demonstrate before they can secure more traditional and cheaper form costs of capital. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, similarly, we can draw that line in the sand on tech risk and choose to do engineering mm-hmm. scale-up risk. And another trend that I'm seeing in the VC space that I anticipate is a return to earth on valuations. So in recent years, we've seen extremely high valuations, even in the earliest stage companies that still have an abundance of technical and commercial risk and little to no revenues to show. So VCs and startups need to come to terms with what valuations actually mean. Valuations are, again, not a badge of honor, but a representation of enterprise value. And it's it's tough because startup work is hard. I'm sure you know this as a recruiter. Um, you know, it And I've be- set up two companies. You get it. You get it. It's, yeah. it's grueling, grueling work. And that's why it's a yeah. tough pill to swallow that sometimes 
in spite of all of that work, the actual underlying value of the business might not have increased commensurately. And so, you know, that goes back to risk. This can, you know, that can be due to factors that you as an entrepreneur have little control over. You can have the greatest business development team, but you have little to no control over the pace and decision-making of a large corporate procurement team, right? 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 So, you know, all in all, it's, you need to manage the risk. You need to set healthy targets and valuations so that trajectories can be upward, not lateral or down. And if you don't think you can sustain or improve on a valuation that you've been given in 12 to 24 months, then don't don't set that price and focus on achieving revenues, on reaching profitability. Markets are super uncertain. So try to set yourself up for self-sufficiency and bankability as soon as possible. Uh, I want to shift a bit now to focus on women, something um, this podcast is is very passionate about, um, as is Dylan Green, as is Catherine McLean. Um, <laughs> um, it's well known that the clean energy industry is primarily white and male. Um, it's also well known that the majority of VC funding goes towards male-led companies. Do you think having more women in leadership roles in climate tech can help change some of these realities? I think it can, and I think it needs to happen. And I've personally, I've never wanted to be aware of my gender. Mm-hmm. I've always truly wanted it to be a non-issue, mm-hmm. but that is not the case. Right. <laughs> and too often, I'm still the only woman in the room. Mm-hmm. Too often, I get pitch decks where the entire team or leadership slide is all men. Mm-hmm. And the same applies to the lack of racial, ethnic, and other forms mm-hmm. of diversity. And it's frustrating because I feel like a broken record when I cite the studies that show the benefits of diverse teams on enterprise results. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the benefits are known and diversity mm-hmm. strategies are proliferating, but we're still not seeing the outcomes that we need to. So I do think to your question, we need to have support from the top which, you know, honestly, that's that's one of the reasons why I'm thrilled to have joined a team where one of our partners is this powerhouse female Bridget O'Brien, whose determination and presence is backed up by demonstrable results. Mm-hmm. And she's complemented by our other partner, Kyle Timi, who's actively inclusive and equally uncompromising on quality and outcomes. But right. Still not easy to build a diverse team, no matter how intentional we are about it. And I think that's because of structural inequities. And so, um, you know, we need to address those from early education onward for women and BIPOC communities. We need to support each other in the day to day and build each other up and open room for diversity and leadership positions, not fight for a few token roles. And that means we need to keep putting in the hard, high quality work, delivering mm-hmm. end products so that we can actually point to to successes and stand on our track records. Yeah. I think also a lot of times those, you know, wins that we have are overachieved because it, you know, for it to be recognized, a lot of times it has to be like above and beyond. It can't just be like an expectation met. Right. <laughs> Everything expects so much above and beyond from us, Catherine. Right, right. Um, do you have any advice for those looking to transition into clean tech from other industries? I would just say, come join us. Please come join us. There's yeah. 
more opportunity than you can imagine. And I guarantee that the skills are transferable. It's all about finding the right fit. So, you know, we need those killer sales and business development folks. We need the marketers who can bring creativity to the space, the tradesmen yeah. and women who can actually get these solutions on the ground. Um, you know, there's, there's a wealth of resources for those who want to get into this space, mm -hmm. work on climate, climate phase, climate journey, climate draft, mm -hmm. just to name a few, plus folks like yep. yourself. There's yep. an abundance of support. So don't feel like you need to go at it alone. Ask yes. for help, make the calls, call the lifelines. And, you know, we've got room for talent in this space. And these are the jobs that are going to persist. These are the critical roles and skill right. sets that we're going to need for decades to come. And I think going back to your earlier point about doing the reps, I mean, that's what it is. It's doing the reps. So many times people will contact me and they're like, I can't get a job in the clean energy industry. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. How many jobs have you applied for? Yes. So, you know, I think that's one thing that's ingrained when you're in recruitment. It's very KPI driven. Like you, you really kind of get what you get out of it, what you put in. And so that's what I say to candidates. Like that's, it's a number you have to put in the exercise. Like you said, like the reps. Absolutely. And quantify as you go, you know, right. as you do achievements in your different jobs in your day to day, keep track mm -hmm. of those, write right. those down, put them on your resume. Yeah. Just keep at yeah, it. Totally. And do it as you go. Yes. You'll, you'll think yourself later. <laughs> I have so many candidates who are like, I've written resume in years. And they're like, I don't even remember what I've accomplished. <laughs> so you should do it like a diary, like a journal. Like You should really write it down. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for joining us and telling us all about yourself and uh, RA Capital and uh, appreciate all you're doing for uh, the clean energy industry. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to the Greenlight Podcast. Are you looking for your next role in climate tech? Join the largest growing network of clean tech professionals and be the first to know about when industry-leading clean tech companies first post new openings. From development to finance to project management by checking out our website, dylan-green.com slash latest hyphen jobs. If you're a clean tech employer and need help scaling your workforce efficiently with top tier candidates, contact me directly on LinkedIn.